Folks, welcome inside the Parisi Palace, high above 3773 East Broadway. This is a live edition of the Jake Feinberg Show. Comedy on Power Talk, thank you so much for making us part of your day today, wherever you are in this world. And uh, it is uh, really my honor uh, to bring back somebody who um, just floored me yesterday. I was just filled with so much beautiful feeling inside of me after I talked to her because she was able to um, really, I mean, she's been doing this her whole life, but she basically pushing herself out of her comfort zone in order to grow uh, because uh, that truly is the only way constitutionally that you can evolve in this lifetime. Uh, She made some very pressing points about forgiveness and being able to really just sit in the mess of everything Uh, every day we go through ups and downs the pendulum shifts moods change and uh like the weather and yet um she has found her her internal compass over time uh, which has now taken her to costa rica so that she can soften into her divine feminine after eight years at the base of a mountain and um uh, just thought it would be incredibly appropriate uh, to invite her back today for part two. Rachel Thor, welcome back to the Jake Feinberg Show. Thank you so much, Jake, and what a special introduction. I'm so happy to be back today. It is a special introduction for a very special person. I, You know, I, I wanted to ask you if you could talk about, um, you know, have you had... Um, the first time that you felt like you really um, were in a a authentically loving, intimate relationship and what that felt like, um, if it was what it felt like compared to what you had been through in your life. Yeah, I love that. So yesterday when we were talking and I shared part of my story about how I grew up with a lot of sort of sexual trauma and healed it through literally listening to my intuition and then the the step that sort of came after that is I got the opportunity to actually have a mentor in my life who helped me see my own stories about men Um, and so I was still even though I was sort of past this point of um, being violated in my relationships I was still not really getting what I wanted out of my relationship. So this mentor helped me see that even though maybe I was moving through the trauma a little bit, I was still holding these stories that like men were this, men were that, men were that. And so those were the type of men that kept showing up that I kept choosing. So what I did with her was get really clear on what are the stories that I want to tell about men what are the stories that I want to be true about the men in my life and at that point in time you know this was over a decade ago but what I came to was at that moment that I really needed to believe that men were here to love serve and protect me as a woman absolutely and 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 I think that that's you know such a beautiful honor to give anybody but so I would sit there and repeat this mantra and then when I would go out into the world I remember, you know, a a, a guy friend of mine, we were kind of interested in each other and he did something, I can't remember what it was, but he 
did something that was kind of like a jerkish thing to do. Mm -hmm. And I actually, I remember being like, ah, this is, this is my time. Right. And so I was like, it was so vulnerable and weird for me, but I was like, actually, I'm call, I'm only calling in experiences in my life where the men in my life love, serve, and protect me. So either we can do a redo on what you just did that fits <laughs> that, or I'm going to walk away. Yeah. I said this to him. Wow. And he was like, oh, shit, you know? And he did a half-assed redo, but we both knew that he wasn't going to stick around after that. And it was sort of one of these moments of like, right, you know, the mantras are so important up until the point where I get to apply them to my and that is the that's the step when it when the mantra becomes an action that's the step when then the energetic dynamic out in the world starts changing so after those actions I was able to start taking um, I really pretty quickly called in um, my first really deep loving partnership and I remember you know, this is a vulnerable moment, but the first time we were um, kissing, the, 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 he put his hand just on my back, and I, I was, I broke down crying because of the part of me that was still terrified that this person was going to rape me. And even though it had nothing to do with him and had everything to do with just the trauma in my body from the past. And, but when that happened, he, he just held me and he loved me. And I remember, you know, sort of each step that we took down, like deepening our intimacy, I would have my experience come up of like, oh shit, you know, like my, my fear of the trauma come up. And I remember, you know, he would just look at me with the most loving eyes and be like, I'm here to love you. I'm not here to hurt you. And it was so beautiful and so healing to start to feel that as I was making those internal shifts, that they, that I could actually see them happening externally back to me from the people in my life. It was like one of the most profoundly healing relationships of my life. It's one of the most beautiful things I've heard in the entire year this year. Um, oh. um, you know, what is the, when you say stories, um, mm. like, lo, let's just go through, like, for Rachel Thor, what is your concept? I think love, you know, you have, um, you know this, well, I mean, you can, you know, you have people that grow up and, uh, you know, the concept of, of love, there's there's a lot of perversion on, on extremes. Some of it's like, you know, you don't show it in public, you don't. Uh, it's you know to be done in privacy a lot of it's repressive um, and then there's another side of it that's uh, the commercialization or the the, the media the, the sexualization of love and um, I just wonder what your concept of, of love is oh gosh my concept of love I think that's a really great question well, well you said love serve and protect so we're just going to break those three definitions what you believe those are Oh, I see. From from that storyline. Yes. Um. Gosh, I, I'm gonna try to remember what I was thinking at the time. It, it was a while ago. Well, when when, um, when that cat was looking into your eyes and 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 you know, you felt safe. 
you felt yeah. like you could give you, you could be vulnerable so i'm just i mean I, th- I think that like you know some people say it's love is an action or love is deeply caring about i mean it's it's you get all different definitions but you um just being who you are i would love i would love to get your definition or what your your concept of love is got it well or we can or we can just move on to serve and then come back to love later if you want <laughs> because i think that like i think that that it's not, maybe it pertains to you but i think sometimes people that have come from traumatic situations or just in general are working don't recognize that their habitual nature is getting in the way they continually come back and are finding the same kind of people again like you were talking right. about you know and and then so then at a certain point though maybe you get in the clear but if you i don't know to me it's like there's no ideal situation you know i mean if 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 somebody everybody's imperfect so i guess it's sort of like what is serving you i want to know how to serve how do we how do i serve rachel thor i mean in, a, yeah. in an authentic way with and knowing that i'm probably gonna fuck up but i mean is there a line where it just where you say you know it gets what's the line that gets crossed that there's no going back you know so maybe i can actually answer it from a a, a more updated place because that was, for me was happening at that time. yeah no definitely and i wanted in the i wanted in in, in this in this in time now, yeah. yeah so i've actually gotten to experience um relationships there's a there's a word in the kink world called switches where people you know that some people like to top some people like to bottom and some people like to switch where you're able to inhabit you know either uh, or both of the of the giver receiver dynamics of a relationship Mm -hmm. and so i've gotten to be in some of those uh sort of switch dynamics and when i'm embodying now to me what the masculine is through myself and i'm serving the feminine energy of my partner regardless of their gender what love serve and protect to me now what that means is that i am fully present with myself and my experience and i'm fully present as much as i can in attunement with their experience and what i mean by that is I'm listening not just to their words, not just to their consent language, but I'm actually listening to the responses that their body is giving me. Yeah. Are they opening? Are they? Are, is their breath getting easier and deeper, or are they contracting, constricting their their belly muscles? So I'm listening not just to their words, but I'm listening to their body. Is their body a yes or a no? What do they need? It's the same type of attunement that we crave as infants when we don't have words to ask for what we need. So I'm listening in attunement to my partner and I am uh, giving them what they need in that moment so that they come to what their intention is, whether it's safety or pleasure or love or you know whatever it is that we're doing go through and out of me into them so that they get an experience of love in themselves and then in that experience they're able to sort of bloom open like a flower and and then I get to receive that love back into me to me that is like 
some of this divine masculine into feminine work that we're talking about. And the only way I believe to truly be able to inhabit that level of attunement through masculine service is like we talked about yesterday to get really comfortable in your own muck because otherwise if you go into somebody else's muck thinking you're going to serve them yes but as soon as you touch their shame button you freak out and pull away now you haven't served them at all you've just kind of re you just plucked the string of the same patterning that okay nobody can be here and love my shame now that I'm I'm not excluding people's own self responsibility to do their own inner work to learn how to do those patterns differently I think both of these practices are vital and they support each other the more we can start to you know bring that that healthy masculine into ourselves and say you know what I'm going to take this moment to be present with what my body is telling me oh as I'm saying yes to that meeting I'm getting anxiety and and a little bit of nausea in my stomach maybe my body's actually saying don't schedule this meeting maybe I'll listen you know so there so what we think of <clears throat> what we tend to think of is like okay feminine intuition only gets activated when our masculine presence is willing to listen and act on it so we're always in partnership with ourselves with our mind and our belly our belly brain and our head brain they go together um, and, and, and so we just get to practice this type of giving and receiving on whatever scale we're looking at whether it's within myself or between me and a partner or you know between me and a community or between me and the land whatever it is you know um, for you know in my experiences um, um, in intimacy I um, for a long time I um, I could get very aroused for a long time but I for some reason I think just based on what you were riffing on I was uh, unable to uh, reach climax and then mm -hmm. um, uh, I don't know um, I finally met uh, oh, the mother eventually the mother of my children and she she was patient enough with me to allow me to reach a certain space where I could um, have an orgasm and um, so I guess it was just creating that safe space I've talked to some cats uh, women that because of of trauma they, I mean they've actually never had an authentic orgasm in an, in a in a trusting protective protecting love intimacy setting um, and I just wanted you to talk about um, you know your your ability to to reach climax like how 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 easy is it for you it's actually something that um, I think that it's something that I was definitely, I'm not ashamed of it anymore, but it's definitely something that I was, um, well, I wanted to experience it in, 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 for what it's, for what it really is. And, you know, mm -hmm. um, you were traumatized and that's not something that that's such a, uh, you know, it's, it's not a, um, it's it's just not a holy communion. It's it's just everything but that. So I mean, can you talk about 
you know, how you have um, sort of, you know, become, how you've cultivated uh, Climax? Sure. I love, I love, there's such a juicy question. Yeah, well, it's, it's very important because actually I, I'm, I'm, some women, uh, maybe men, I mean, I mean, I mean, obviously, like, I just couldn't believe that, that I've talked to some women who, who, who literally have never been able to have an orgasm in the process of, you know, uh, authentic union. So it's just, and yeah. that's because of trauma. So, I mean, you clearly, um, I mean, I thought I had this flash yesterday of seeing you in the pews of, of your church. And I was like, you're completely divine, uh, a gift from above. So you turn the corner, but has it all, has that something that you've always cultivated? Like that's been something that you've been able to, uh, how, how has so, it worked for you? I want to say a couple things yeah. about that. First of all, you know, in my own story, that has absolutely been a challenge. I think for people that come from an experience of trauma, it, it gets exacerbated. But I also want to say <clears throat> that it's bigger than just what we think of as sexual trauma. There's something called an orgasm gap. And basically what that means is um, within heterosexual relationships, those are the spaces where there's sort of like up to an 80% difference in in number of orgasms between the man in the relationship and the woman. So far fewer women orgasm in heterosexual relationships, whereas if you look at lesbian relationships, um, both partners are typically orgasming at least once every time they're engaging together. That is so really this is not yeah. only about you know, women have been traumatized. This is about men who have also been, they've had the feminine traumatized out of them from a young age, whether, and this is controversial, but to me, you know, I think that, I think that male sexual trauma for so many people begins at um, circumcision, which is often uh, has no anesthesia and that is a massive sexual violation and trauma that is ultimately from infancy so a lot of and it's so normalized that we don't even think oh, of it's it as really amazing trauma. i've never thought about that i mean that is mind exactly. blo mind-blowing so like so like many 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 men in our culture actually are also completely sexually traumatized from their first moments of breath and then and they're walking around then expose their most vulnerable, their most sensitive part of their body that came into the world with a safe protective covering that got ripped off without yeah. any anesthesia. So, so they're walking through the world with that level of trauma. Trauma, the main, one of the main ways that we deal with trauma is to leave our bodies, right? to avoid to dissociate from the pain of what it's like to be in my body. And so all of these, not just women who have been traumatized, but men who have been traumatized are leaving their body, specifically leaving the sensation of their own sexual organs, because that's where the pain of that initial trauma resides. So now when we're engaging in sexual contact, but we're not able to actually connect and be present in our own sexual organs, we're not able to attune because we're dissociated from ourselves. On top of that, there's so much male shame and story about what it means to be a man that I have to know 
how to do it and I have to get it right and if I have to ask for directions I'm the pussy and so then there's all this sort of forcing that shows up because of the male indoctrination of what it means to be masculine which is the opposite of what allows for their present moment attunement <laughs> to invite the feminine to bloom. Yes, yes, yes. So I'm saying all that because this is this is a, a systemic issue that we're all a part of the trauma of and we all get to be a part of the healing of. Now, when I bring that back to my own story, um, my, my story is that I weaved back and forth between both of those sides of the coin, like I said, with my own masculine and feminine. And, and I'll be honest, you know, as a, as a woman, uh, I have so many of these, of these internalized stories too, of like, well, why, why can't I orgasm faster? Why isn't this like pounding, thrusting thing working for me when it's working for him? Right, right. And, and, and really, if, we're, if we actually are willing to move past the shame stories yes. of like something's wrong with me as the woman or something's wrong with the man, a lot of times, you know, you said you had trouble orgasming and a lot of men have trouble, you know, orgasming too soon or, or we all have these stories about what's wrong with us. But ultimately, if we're willing to drop the shame and take a look at what's actually happening in the anatomy uh, a, a female you know female with vulva anatomy and, and, and the sexual anatomy of how turn on works in a in, in a female vulva body is really different than how the sexual anatomy like the physiology of a of a male body with a penis works and I'm using I'm you know specifically talking about anatomy so that's why I'm saying their their names of course. but like so for for that we like evolve a body there is this level of it being directly uh, the clitoris directly connected nervous system wise into the vagal nervous system which has to do with emotion love safety um, the parasympathetic like rest and digest healing nervous system and and I I, I could kind of get into it a little bit deeper but the sort of main gist that I want to make is that for a lot of women they actually need the reverse of what men are taught to do in order to feel pleasure because it's the reverse of what men, of what many men need to feel pleasure and because men are taught that it's not okay to be feminine it's not okay to you know embody their own I'm here in the present moment and I don't know where we're going since it's not okay for them to do that they're missing the opportunity to actually give the woman in their life what that person needs to for their body and their anatomy to turn on and to move at a pace where it can then reach climax. I mean, it's. Can you just? Um, I mean, have you? Do you fall into this? Uh, this I think what you talked about this this sort of eighty twenty uh, split is interesting because. Um, I mean, have you? been able to drop into 
a space where I mean I think part of it for me was that I was completely aroused it was just I couldn't really give myself permission to to access that part of my I I I I was not there was some kind of shame component to it but I wasn't giving myself permission to feel good and and I mean I think is it fair to say that in a relationship with in a in a relationship with with in a lesbian relationship let's say um that because of these these conditioned patterns that people men think that this is what they're supposed to do is it just with in a in a lesbian relationship have you found that you're able to orgasm more than in with with a with a man uh, I have, and in some ways, like, I'll be honest, I'm still, that, that, the, the jury's still out for me. I've had way more actual relationships with men than women. That's, that's something that I'm sort of leaning into more. Um, but in, in the experiences that I have had, uh, there's, yeah, there's a lot more, um, climax, pleasure, sort of like full-bodied experience but I also like here's what I want to say that's not because of gender that's because of disposition yeah maybe we're taught certain things certain ways we're supposed to be as gender but everybody can participate in deeply fulfilling sexual experiences Uh, so I've been with men as well who I've had that type of open um open like channel for for sexual um satisfaction i've been with men too it's not it's not about if they're a man or if they're a woman it's just about how are you approaching it based on what you've learned and are you willing to step beyond what you've been told to try something new to try something deeper what what were you told growing up I mean setting aside the the trauma I mean what were you yeah. told that the role of a woman was in a in in a partnership and, and and I mean and and how quickly did you discover that because you are your divine masculine and divine feminine are both you know I don't I would never put percentages on it but I mean you have both and they're both incredibly dynamic like when did you um, become comfortable in a relationship with with a woman? When I'm still in that journey, I'm because just still you know what I'm saying because it's just it's just based on I'm just going back to just the way you were. I mean, I I don't know what denomination, but I mean, it's just you know. Uh, homosexuality yeah. or you know it's a, it's a sin you know I, I was told growing up by my community that yeah homosexuality was a sin some people said that it was caused by demon possession some people said that it was caused by uh, childhood sexual abuse but in, in, in no matter you know how they thought you got the disease yeah right it was a disease um, so yeah, I was told, you know, I, I was told deeply shameful things about my being. And to be, to be honest, based on what we were saying yesterday, like shame is probably the most insidious 
emotion that I work with in my own life pretty consistently in terms of being able to excavate what was shamed and, and reclaim what is me and what is beautiful about me, which is, which is those same things, that my existence and who I am. Yeah, you're also brilliant. Okay. I mean, you're a brilliant cat. I mean, I, 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 it's so painful that, I mean, we all go through it. Believe yeah. me. I mean, society says um, if you're like this, then there's something really wrong with you. You know, and then you're coming from a family that is already or just a community that's already putting all these seeds. I guess maybe the better question is, did you um, like did you learn to love and accept? I mean, you're still going through it, but I mean, can you talk about an experience when you um, surrendered to your to your to your feelings, to, to your, to what you, what you were going towards. And maybe it wasn't what, you know, the scripture said, but it was like, <laughs> I'm going to give myself permission to be vulnerable, even though, you know, I'm done doing what I'm, I'm done living life by the, by the rules that society says I should live by. I'm going to live by the rules yeah. that Rachel Thor should live, that is going to live by. Oh my gosh. Actually, I love the way you framed it because it just brought back a memory for me. I can remember, so in this, this loving relationship with a man that I was just telling you about, that was also probably my first deep intimate space where I actually had another person that I could start talking about this with. Mm. Because up until then, the idea of even sharing my queerness with anybody felt so threatening like anybody could just throw me in jail or excommunicate me or humiliate totally so that was so it was actually my relationship with a man who loved me for who I was that was actually um, the, the place where my own desires and truth around who I was and the side of me that is attracted to women was able to start blooming and I can remember one day in that in that process uh, around that time that was maybe like eight years ago something like that and um and I was like praying I, I was like so I was like oh my god I'm I I'm I feel attracted to this woman and I hate this like why me why do I have to go through this why does that have to be me why can't I just be straight and be normal and not and or be in a family who accepted it like why do I have to be in this position and and I, I remember praying this like oh it's just so <laughs> so victimy about it why me I know and and um but what the voice said to me what the voice showed me was like you are going to be a light you are going to be somebody that can help others heal through this same thing like your story is important because you're going to do this work and it's going to pave the way for other people to do this work and that's why I'm so glad you reminded me of that moment because here we are and I'm getting the opportunity to share from this place of like I did it you can do it too like this isn't like I'm not special in the sense of uh, of that I'm the only one who can do this like anyone who's listening and who has some type of closure or shame around who they are or what they're attracted to like this is the moment where I get to be like follow it 
it's good it's worthy your existence is perfect it's beautiful it's not only is it okay but it's needed it's celebrated like we are experiencing an up leveling in in humanity in in the complexity of our global relations and actually i think that the more that more of us are able to dance through these masculine feminine dynamics in a more queer less dogmatic way the more we can bring gifts and medicine to the world that are even so much bigger than this um so much bigger than sexuality but rooted in the core of who we are which is a sexual being a full spectrum sexual being so that feels awesome oh i'm so you know i i, I mean i'm i'm you know i i i mean did you actually ever you strike me as somebody who just um like are you a street scholar or did you actually go to college at all or, or i mean i mean you're, you're very like it just feels like you're writing your own manifesto oh for sure i am and and that's I, so fr- I, I, I mean that's so amazing to do that i mean i just to me like that's why i say told you last night that you have your own lineage because you claim that you're you know that that this is like very cathartic to be able to talk this stuff out it feel i feel like you've been talking about it your whole life yeah, it's both. I've been talking about it with myself for my whole Yeah, life. absolutely. <laughs> yeah, that's the I guess that's the th- you know, when like um what when you when you when you got so you had feelings for a woman while you were with a man and you said why is this happening? You know, like I told, you know, that uh and then but just for the people that are in that sort of midst um uh or sort of in that uh, inner crisis, so to speak. What was the feeling like when you actually, um, like, were proactive and pursued the the woman that you had an attraction to? I mean, did was it near? Was it anything? Like, did you find yourself? Um, you know, did you did you stop guilting or shaming yourself once you actually went forward? And, and I think that's the problem is that a lot of people have these impulses. And, you know, they're in a, a heterosexual relationship and then they say, I can't possibly act on that. So they repress it and then it winds up coming out in some other way. But you, you, you acted on it almost immediately. What was it like? How much it, how, I'm not saying you were totally at peace, but how much of that neuroses fell away when you actually acted on what you really felt? So I'll be, so in that initial relationship, I didn't actually, um, go toward a woman while I was with the relationship, but it opened the doors for me to start feeling that in myself. The first time I actually like really pursued a woman, um, that was actually for me, the awakening of this masculine polarity. Cause I was like, if I show up in my feminine and we're both in our feminine nature together, we're not creating polarity which means we're not creating sexual attraction. Exactly. So I was like, you know what? Let me play, let me, let me try this on. So I started stepping into more of like my pursuer. And that for me, gave me so much humble empathy for young men who have to go through this process with all the acculturation that they have. Cause I was like, fuck, this is hard. It's vulnerable <laughs> to put yourself out there. It fucking sucks. I can't tell what she's thinking. Right. I don't know. Right. Ah, you know, like, and I was like, oh my God, I feel like a teenage boy. Wow. What a, what a great opportunity to empathize. <laughs> and um, <laughs> moving, moving forward. From I love that, it. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I, 
moving forward from that, my my first initial several uh, initial experiences with women still ultimately reflected back to me my story of shame. So there would be, you know, because if that story is still living in my body, that's still going to be the experience that I get back even as I, you know, even as I'm attempting to upgrade the story, there's still going to be some residuals. So my first many experiences with women were actually really they ended up still pretty painful and shameful so i don't want to jump over that that's like not a possibility for people and why why, let me ask you a question though was it just was it just because let me was it painful because you weren't completely comfortable in your masculine uh uh self at that point i mean was it just like a sort of uh you used the word before, and I can't remember what it was. But was it just that you weren't you weren't used to um, playing the masculine role, so to speak? Uh, so I'll clarify the like the like physical experiences themselves were not painful. They were they were lovely. Mm. But the the aftermath, the the mental and emotional and relational aftermath of those experiences still took me down like a shame portal. And and so that was the painful part. What and about what about healing, what about the what about the what about the other? I mean, what about the other? What about your the partner? Did they feel that way, or or was you were just being really critical of yourself? Um, I I think that they they tended to have their own story, their own version of whatever, <laughs> like like, yes, like they also probably went through some pains typically and and I'll say this about all relationships I believe as someone who coaches people through relationships and walks through my own that we tend to be attracted to people who have complementary stories to us basically like my story that I'm not good enough and your story that nobody sees you are gonna fit together perfectly so I'm gonna miss a tune to you you get to retell yourself the story that no one sees you and I get to retell myself the story that I'm not good enough boom like we're a perfect fit in the misery of our own stories and so that's what I'm saying like my first couple experiences we're still like that. We had matching stories. Mine wasn't the shame side of things. And so it wasn't about just being like, okay, I'm ready to date women. It was it's also about clearing the story, changing the story. And the same way that I had to change my story around men, okay, men are gonna love, serve, and protect me. Okay, like I'm gonna get to open and be with women in in pleasure and in, in delight in the ways that serve me, them, and humanity. Okay, like I gotta now live that story not just the physical action of going toward somebody with different body parts you know um this is so i mean how like you can you talk about a seminal coaching experience where you helped people um i don't know to say work through their problems but maybe hang up their hang-ups or or get over like, how do you know if you, how do you know if you need, if you, how, how do you know if you're being an effective coach if you yourself are not always attuned to your own needs? You know what I'm saying? Like, sometimes I feel like a lot of healers or psychologists or people that I talk to, um, sometimes they even say to me afterwards, you know, you really exposed me in a, in a way where I realized that I don't consider myself a fraud, but 
I got to practice what I preach. You know, I got I got to, or I got to, I got to walk the walk. I mean, can you, can you talk a little bit about a seminal authentic coaching experience that you helped um, people get over the shame portal? Hmm. Yeah. I, uh, there's a couple pieces in that in terms of like walking the talk. I think that that's really important. And a lot of times, this isn't just a healer problem. This isn't everybody. Thing. Absolutely. When we have, when we have the story about ourselves, uh, somebody, oh yeah, a client of mine was asking me yesterday, they were like, my superpower is to be able to speak like beautiful healing words to other people. And I challenged them to do that to themselves. And they said, that's where I struggle the most. Exactly. And I think a lot of us develop our superpowers based on what was missing that we needed. And so it is of vital importance for each of us to take our own medicine. Like we developed it for a reason so we could give it back to ourselves and others. But if we only look for the validation, uh, by giving it to others, we not we never actually get to take our own medicine. So it's the hardest person to give the medicine to is yourself. But it's the most it's the one you came here to give it to. Like you're the one you came here to give it to. Why I'm is it so hard to receive? To Why to. is it so hard in your in your opinion to for people to give themselves permission to receive uh, love? I mean, they they they, they give mm. and they give and they give and they leave nothing for themselves. Why is that? Well, that goes, that, that filters directly into our cultural story about masculine and feminine imbalance. We're, like, the giving principle, we're taught that masculinity is the only way that is worthy. So we catch ourselves in this loop because as soon as I open myself up to receive love, I'm participating in a feminine structure that's not worthy of love. So then I have to close myself down because I'm not worthy of that love that I'm trying to open to. So we have a cultural paradox around receiving because we think that it's less than, it's weak. We think that it is selfish. These are all of the constructs that we put on the feminine at large. And so we try to diminish we try to diminish her in our own bodies and our relationships. We always want to be the one who's in control, the one who's giving, the one who's masculine, because that's worthy of love and validation externally. But it kills us, right? It, it drains us. It, it, it wrecks the land of its ability to regenerate. It wrecks our own my gut microbiome of our own ability to regenerate and heal. So it's, this is why I say that we're talking masculine and feminine, we're talking about every single scale. If we want as a, a human collective to be able to come back into regenerative harmony with the earth, it's actually vitally important that we learn in ourselves how to receive and not just take, but actually receive the nourishment, actually open ourselves up to a level of vulnerability where the seed can get planted deep enough to do what it needs to do. Um, so you asked about like, well, no, I mean, it's just so beautiful. I mean, you're, you're like a poet right now. I don't even know what else to, (laughs) I mean, basically like, did you, I've, I've like, obviously when you were being forcibly raped, I have to believe that at that point was the first time that you really, one of the first times you were able, you, you had to access your multidimensional self so you could 
go to someplace and escape the in the moment the the trauma that you were experiencing um like in in terms of i mean i know for me like in in the process of intimacy and intercourse for me it's always about trying to stay present trying to stay in the moment trying to um uh, you know just enjoy that that's this this seminal well whatever this 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 and and ultimately have the most off i mean that's where the that's the most natural thing and it's it's a beautiful thing i just wonder how where you're at in terms of being able to you know not revert back to the old stories and, and truly be able to stay in the moment when you are you know intimate with either a man or a woman i mean how how much of that how much are you, are you able to dock emotionally and drop into the soul mm. well i think it's it's both like the present moment is the soul and it is the emotion that's coming up and like you said there's a, a sort of like protective dissociation that we can go to um for me it still happens it, it's something that that maybe I don't know maybe it'll it'll happen through my whole life and maybe less and less the more that I get the more that I arrive here in my body absolutely right? yes um, and, and that's sort of been my experience to date and and really it's one of one of my mentors um, the the person who first took me on out on a vision quest which is basically 10 days in the wilderness and the four days in the middle of that I spent uh, completely alone with no food fasting in the middle of the wilderness that sounds to, to very insane actually <laughs> go listen to my soul yeah so this this guide this mentor of mine um, I, I had a I had a, a, a trauma trigger come up which can look like you know sometimes like a panic attack or something yeah. like that and and I, and I came in and, and, and he helped me re-regulate. He's one of the people that really helped me understand physiologically how to help myself regulate. And that's what taught me how to help other people regulate when they show up to these spaces. But what I was going to say about him is that he taught me because I was like so upset. I was like, fuck, I thought I was done being triggered. And here I am getting triggered and having this traumatic experience again. And he was like your life is not about not getting triggered anymore your life is about recognizing when you get triggered and climbing out a little faster and climbing out a little faster each time exactly. like you don't have to shame yourself for getting triggered but you get to take on the responsibility and the pleasure and the journey of climbing out of being like got it I'm fucking triggered right now. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to say to my partner, hey, I need to stop right now. I need to go for a walk or I need to breathe or can you can you sit with me? Can you hold me while I cry? Right? Like it's not about not getting triggered in relationship. It's about being able to be in relationship with myself when trigger happens and taking more and more and more responsibility to communicate that, to relate that with my partner so that we're in relationship together and being and that is actually what helps bring both of us into the present moment which is how you heal trauma 
by getting back to the present moment and realizing that that trauma is not happening right now. Talking to Rachel Thor here on the Jake Feinberg show, and she is um, enlightening everybody. I mean, I, 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 I wonder if you could talk a little bit about, um, I feel like your soul, the voice, the Atman uh, <laughs> inside of you that has um, saved you um, and given you guidance and intuition. Um, like how can other cats cultivate their inner soul voice? How can they, I don't know where you'd be if you didn't have your intuition and your, in, and your, and your inner voice. Um, mm-hmm. It saved you in so many ways. And, and I know that it's been with you for, since you were a young girl, but for people that are, have, are older in age years, um, I mean, I just feel like, you know, age is just, is just a number, you know, we can continually mm-hmm. get younger and younger in our soul. <laughs> and I just wanted you to talk about how people can, and maybe you, this is what you focus on in, in your coaching, but how yeah. can people access, not just access the soul, Atman, but also like learn to, to trust it. Yeah. See, that's actually the key right there for a lot. There, there is a group of people who, who, maybe really don't have access to hearing it but there's actually a pretty big group of of people who hears their intuition loud and clear but it's fucking terrifying exactly and their brain doesn't like it and so as soon as they hear the voice the brain floods with excuses and reasons not to so that's actually right there is a distinction that's really important you know people who are listening there's probably a good chance that you are connected to your intuition it's the first voice that happens instantaneously um, before all of the reasoning kicks in after. So that's just one thing. The second thing I'll say to people who actually don't really know what that experience is like, this is where I, I like to bring in some science actually because we have what's called our enteric nervous system in our gut and it's the enteric nervous system is built out of neurons similar to the ones in our brain. So it's actually intelligent and it actually is the, it produces like 90% of the serotonin in our body mm. and it produces a lot of the, the um, chemical signals that tells our body how to react. The, the brain that's literally in our gut is about as smart as a cat's brain. So all things considered, there's, like, there's an animal living in your gut and cats are pretty good at staying alive, right? Like cats are pretty aware. Yeah. So so we actually do have this secondary intelligence system that has a physiology. So a lot of times I believe that when we say, you know, my gut told me, that actually that's true, that the enteric nervous system, the brain in your stomach, in your gut, not in your stomach, but in your gut, um, sent chemical signals to the rest of your body to communicate information that it has gathered by paying attention to its surroundings. Now, this is uh, like, because it's about the same developmentally as a cat, this particular brain that we have in our gut speaks the same language as animals through visuals, through sensations, through emotions, through colors. It doesn't have the, the, the capacity for language. 
or memory the same way that the, the brain in our head does. Right. So when it communicates, the language that this brain, that our intuitive brain is speaking, is usually one of these nonlinear languages. That's where we get visions from. I mean, we can get visions from both, but a lot of times those in the moment sort of like, oh, but it just feels like it's not right. Or, oh, I just saw this opportunity, uh, maybe that this will happen. Those are signals that we're receiving and processing in our upper brain from our lower brain. So what I like to do is actually have people put their hand on their belly and breathe into the gut. Those are two things that help interoceptively and proprioceptively for your upper brain to identify that we're bringing awareness and attention to the gut brain on purpose. And from there, I typically will have them do some breathing exercises. So slow down your breathing, let your exhale have a longer count than your inhale, which also signals to the body to enter a parasympathetic state, which is where we can heal, rest and digest. So we're sort of going into like meditative yoga breathing, hand on the belly, air coming all the way in to push the belly out and expand it through the inhales. Those are the steps we're taking to tell our body that we're gonna bring our awareness to this second brain. Then once there's some, some clearing that happens from that, we ask the question. What's the question that you are trying to get an intuitive answer to? You know, where should I go for dinner tonight? Or should I leave my partner? It can be any range, right? Mm. It doesn't, there's, it can be any question. Mm. And what will happen is typically there'll be an instantaneous response. It might show up like a, a feeling in the body, like a tingle somewhere or like a nausea or a lightness. It might show up as an image. It might show up as, for me, sometimes it does show up, like I've said, as a voice, as clear words. And I think that's my two brains connecting it. But, um, but so there'll be an instantaneous response. And the key here is what I said earlier, is when you get that instantaneous response, that's why it's so important to be able to sit in your own muck. Because that instantaneous response, you haven't wanted to do it before, that's why you haven't done it yet. So there's probably some other blockage that comes up when you, when you hear that, that information, then you've got a story that says, no, 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 that's shameful. No, 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 that's gonna humiliate me. No, 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 I can't do it because of this and that and that story. So that's when you have to be able to slow yourself down and sit in your own muck and be like, that's what my intuition said, and I'm going to go back to that original thought before all the other um, stories jumped in and tried to drown it out. Now, if that's too hard to just, okay, I'm going to choose the intuition, that's when I typically start breaking it down with people into parts work, which is basically personifying these different aspects of the neurology, physiology, and giving voice to them so that they can be in relationship with each other and ultimately that soul voice that that the centered one that can see everything and all the stories and all the pieces of oneself and love them anyways can be the one who makes the decision rather than some side project personality that's reacting in its typical protective way i'm using a lot of jargon here i hope that's okay <laughs> no it's 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 i mean you're just blowing me away again i um do you feel like you've 
do you feel like through your own sort of stories, um, maybe short-circuited authentic relationships um, because of your own habitual nature? Um, I mean, do you have you run yeah, away? Have, sure. have you run away from 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 love? Yeah, absolutely. My whole life, <laughs> like yeah. all of this, yeah. like everything. I don't teach. I'm things. always running away from love, too, for that matter. I mean, it's just it's yeah. something that is. We are highly protective of ourselves. But we, I mean, in your case, it's actually because you experienced, in, in you know. I mean, yeah. you were violated so awfully, and I just, you know, I guess maybe more to the point, like, you know, do you, is it, is it, is, is it something that is meaningful to you, I guess, in the sense that, like, is it some like, are you, do you want to have, I mean, do you want to have a, a life, a a, a loving relationship do you want to have an open relationship is this stuff that uh is 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 sort of i don't want to say a priority but it's is it stuff that that you care about and um and and then why why have you run away why have you short-circuited uh you know authentic relationships yeah well there, there's a couple of points i want to touch on a few stories but yeah, I think that I have run away from love so many times in so many different ways and been able to justify a lot of those times to myself that that's not what I was doing, that it was like, well, it's no, it's because that's not the right person. You know, there's always a good excuse to run away from love. And I, and, 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 <laughs> I did, and yeah, I did, I did. Yeah. We can come back to it. And, and that's one thing that I really like about you know, maybe the human experience. I, I want to tell a bit of a creation myth that really resonates yeah, go ahead. with me. Um, there's a version of the Shiva Shakti creation myth that goes a little something like this, that in the beginning there was simply unity. There was unity consciousness. We talk about trying to get to this state a lot in different spiritual circles. There was just one. And that oneness got lonely. So it intentionally split itself into two, Shiva and Shakti, and sent itself uh, to the farthest reaches of the universe to be separated and to start looking for itself again. Wow. So that one day when they finally re-collided, there was like bliss and love and magic and that's what actually started creating the physical matter like that was the the big bang so to speak yeah i kind of i really dig that that's great that that's created a, yeah. that created creation what myth, we yeah. know of mm. and that's a creation myth that i love because what it points to is this dance that i'm not here as a human being to like i didn't choose to come be a human being because what I wanted was to sit in the state of unity consciousness that exists when I'm not in a human being form. I came here to experience that dance of separation on purpose and the joy and the bliss of that reuniting and to let it happen over and over and over again in this life and the next that like it's just like breathing the inhale and the exhale like I can I can go in and step into love and into loving and I, I you know I'm, I'm I've been in so many deeply, deeply loving relationships and experiences alongside of what I'm telling you. So 
there's like a breathing in of like let me go touch that love in whatever form it happens and then yeah the breathing out of like oh my god I'm scared or I'm not ready or here's this excuse here's that excuse I'm gonna go over here I'm gonna run away to the other side of the universe <laughs> and then the magnetism of love is gonna pull me back and then one day I'm gonna be back in the unity again and I'm gonna keep breathing I'm gonna keep that dance going that's like a universal dance that we get to be in as pieces of the consciousness of the whole as you know I really like that so for me like I'm entering a new a, another inhale of getting deeper and closer back into love and partnership right now um, I can feel it happening I can feel the the inhale and the expansion happening and it'll happen as long as it happens and then it'll it'll eventually exhale and become something else and inhale and become the next so yeah I guess to me like all of it is love <laughs> um, okay <laughs> let, the what does it mean to protect Rachel Thor how do you feel protected because in, 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 I mean I, the stereotype for men is that they have to be the protector of women, you know, make the decisions, uh, be the guiding force, be the strong, but you don't need that per se. Um, you may want a desire it on occasion, but because of your constitution, you already have a lot of those qualities. And I just wonder what does protection look like? Because I think that, uh, some, some men would fall victim to, um, I don't know. You, you, I think you would feel a little bit uh, uh, smothered or micromanaged or patronized. Page, exactly. <laughs> like, like I mean, like I want to know how to protect you. You know, what's the best way to protect you? Yeah. To me, that's why being able to separate um, myself into parts is really helpful because like and you can hear it in my in my speech and, and in my presence like I have a really strong masculine self-protector that's like going to really take care of my feminine parts that's here that's like with me a lot of the time and when I get into really intimate spaces and we choose together for me to go fully into my feminine and them to go fully into their masculine I give that role up to them you know I surrender that role to them um, a, as a choice as opposed to something that I'm incapable of doing to my for myself and to me that I actually love that definition of surrender even more that I'm capable of this and I choose to let you do it for me I choose to serve myself and to let you serve me and to let myself receive not from a place of need or lack but from a place of like genuine care and trust in the other person and and I think that we tend to you know, the people that I tend to be with these days the reverse is also true where where they are able to you know if we're talking about the men that I'm with they are able to give me that gift to fully surrender the masculine pull to me and to fully step into their feminine surrender and let me take care of them absolutely and a lot of people I think a lot of men especially get really afraid that if they step into that side of themselves or they let somebody care for them especially their 
woman that now they're weak they're not a man but what I've seen consistently is that the men who are willing to go that far into their feminine understand their feminine partners that much better and their masculine actually grows as much as their feminine does they come back out like roaring with their own masculine energy because I believe that polarity we're talking about two sides of a coin it's not like if you strengthen one the other gets weaker to me you have to strengthen both in equal amount if you only let your feminine get to a certain point your masculine will only grow to meet that place so if you want to be even more masculine you have to learn what it feels like to be on the other side of that coin because both sides of the coin are always present within us when we're talking about polarity and duality so if we want the full spectrum of the coin we have to be willing to at least experience it and it gives us permission to then understand or not permission but it gives us an understanding of the other person of what I'm asking them to be when I want to fully embody one end of the spectrum does that make sense yeah I mean what is can you give some examples of 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 uh, a man allowing you to take on the masculine role um, yeah so yeah. so the really like the most obvious visceral example is if um, a man lets me enter them sexually so that's typically like anally right and and the, we don't have to go into the details but I'm sure that even just when you heard me say that there's a sort of like shudder or a clinch not maybe whether it's in you or with some listeners like like that the woman penetrating the man is so wrong uh, or, or just so against our, our cultural norms but what I found is that after those moments of penetration happen that man understands his responsibility when he's penetrating a woman whether it's me or anyone else mm. he understands the level of vulnerability and surrender and love and trust and openness that is required to be on the receiving end of a penetration and he brings it so much more purely and strongly and powerfully the next time and every time after that that he's the one penetrating so to me that's where I say like like these are these are healing um, as they as they are allowed as we are allowed to try both and we can understand this two sides of the coin better we get better at the side of the coin that we want to be on when you are you using like uh, uh, I don't know toys to do that or or you actually or do you you're not you don't have both organs I don't have both organs physically um. because I say the, <laughs> the difference is like you know, one of them is, uh, for, I've never gotten off on, on that kind of stuff in general because it does, it's not real. You know, there would be, I mean, it, it, the, the act of penetration is real. But I just want to make sure it would be, you know, that it, it's just like, you know. So, so you will penetrate the guy and then after that you find that they have newfound truth about 
what that feels like for a woman and their masculinity grows from that. Yeah. Wow. Um, Is that uncomfortable? <laughs> no, I mean, it's, it's, to, to be honest with you, it's, it's, this is all new terror. I mean, you are breaking open. Uh, I, I would say the, it's uncomfortable in the sense that it's completely uh, new territory for me. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, um, because... And to be fair, I wasn't going out looking for any of this. Like, this is just what life keeps bringing to me. And I'm going, oh, okay, that's what you want me to learn now? Okay, I'll show up to it. <laughs> and actually, it reminds me, you asked a question earlier, was I just like street street taught or did I go to school? And right. the answer there is that I... Uh, as a, I, I did go to undergrad, um, but when I was entering school, uh, going to college, and I was trying to decide on a major, I was sort of going like, how am I ever going to choose? Because I'm interested in everything. I'm voraciously curious, and I want to be everything, everywhere. Like, I had just this insatiability that I have since tempered and found some contentment around, but I was like, how am I going to choose? And... Um, and what my what my decision was internally from this voice or from intuition or whatever was that I was going to choose what brought me the most aliveness, even if it changed. Like no matter what, that the, the thing I was gonna follow wasn't the degree or the job path or the the traditional like uh, thing that externally people say that's the way to do it. I was going to follow my aliveness and let that be my guide through my very academic experience. And what that practically looked like is that I changed my major every year for four years because I kept following it through these different <laughs> realms. And, and uh, um, on my fifth year, I basically was like, I'm either, I either have to drop out because I'm nowhere close to graduating or I have to get really creative. And what I did was get really creative and found a way to create my own major where I finished off um, in year five by creating a, I created all my classes that year I wrote the syllabus for myself I wrote the standards and I had mentors and you know it. professors who could it. help yeah. me um, like with the with the milestones and then I, I created a thesis project that took me around the whole country and wove together everything that I knew that I needed to learn from so I was weaving together philosophy psychology um, nature, biomimicry, wilderness studies, education and facilitation, art. I was weaving together all of these essentially humanities and a little bit of math in there. And ultimately, I, I, I called my degree that I created this 21st century education model. And, 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 I, and I wrote pretty academically about what this model could look like. But if I'm speaking sort of off the record of academia and just personally, what I realized, you know, looking back is that I was creating the model of the way that my soul wanted to go through life and learn and teach from a, from a soul-driven perspective. I was studying and creating and culminating from within myself this is how I'm going to do my life. This is how I'm going to do my own career. And it became all the building blocks of being the coach and the healer and the teacher that I am. 
Um, and, and so I can sort of speak about it from the, the spiritual place where, where my truth really, really comes from. But I can also speak about it from the academic and the, the learning theory place of like, you know what really helps our brains understand having a full body experience of something. Exactly. There's both. So yeah. What is a what is one area I mean you're being you're you're just in, like you just said you're you're curious beyond I mean you've tempered it but I mean you're still really on fire. And uh is there something that is there a place or some area that you know you need to push yourself out of your comfort zone in order to grow? I, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, you don't strike me. You're not so many people. I mean, I, I am so amazed by you because I don't know how many people, I mean, a lot of people have overcome trauma. Don't get me wrong, but your situation when you made that decision to accept the re, you know the responsibility i guess that's the right word of the mm-hmm. of the trauma and then you know seeking you sought some kind of resolution to i don't want to say forgive but it allowed you to ascend into what i call the intergalactic and uh <laughs> it's so amazing because it, you know the, that one I mean, it didn't happen overnight, but that allowed you to to tap into your true nature. And there's so many people who have different types of trauma and they reach that certain point and they hang on to that, those resentments. And like you said, you know, you still recognize that you were getting triggered and you always will get triggered. And it's how you can sit in that muck in the moment and, 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 and live with that, you know, and, and, and actually thrive in that. And I just wonder, like, you know, you're pretty autonomous, obviously, like, I mean, I haven't, you're like, probably this, one of the best street scholars I've ever met in my life. I mean, you've really created your own templates. I, I take a lot of pride in doing the same thing, even though I don't have the ability to write academically, probably the way you do. But I, um, I wonder what what you're beating yourself up about now <laughs> that you uh, <laughs> that you uh you know but but in the sense that you know you've been kind of i don't know procrastinating or you know you recognize you want to push yourself in this particular area is there anything that that is a you know that comes to mind yes and no it's it's a it's a, a little bit of a different approach for me i think i i, I spent like the first decade, honestly, of my healing journey, doing what you just described, pushing myself into healing situations. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I mean, what are we talking? Of course you did. You've already been, you've been doing that your whole life. Now you're just... Yeah, yeah, I've been doing that a lot. But for me, actually, the new edge, the interesting exploration is, is for me because I realized that because my nervous system's early response, like my nervous system understands heightened response as a baseline and so pushing myself out of my comfort zone to grow voraciously is an amazing thing but it's also a symptom of not being able to relax of not being able to come down so for me the the new edge like a decade into uh, well i'm a decade and a half now but like 
came about about a decade into my personal growth journey was starting to go, oh, I think that my growth edge is actually in saying no to that deep dive, really intense healing experience thing that I think is going to be healing and actually come back over here and just drink a cup of tea and be like, I'm good. Mm -hmm. That's the new edge for me. And I think, you know, people who have been on the journey for a long time, maybe some of them could resonate with that stage or maybe it comes and it goes. But um, I'm definitely at this point in my life, I'm more interested in a slowed down approach to everything. I'm becoming more patient than I ever was, which I kind of, you know, if you ask people around me, a lot of people still don't think that I'm very patient. <laughs> but for me, I'm, I'm really like, you know, slowing, slowing my role in a lot of ways. Um, and so what I try to do now is if I hear a part of me that's going, you need to learn that now then what I do is actually go, oh, what part of me is talking? What's underneath that? Oh, that part of me is feeling afraid that I'm not good enough. Let me actually just soothe the part of me that's not feeling good enough and remind her that she is good enough and then see if I actually want to take that experience from a place of knowing that I'm whole already. Do I want to take on that learning experience? And more and more frequently, my answer is actually no, I, I don't want to, I don't need to. And it's not from a place of avoidance, it's from a place of learning that I'm allowed to set boundaries, that I'm allowed to have healthy boundaries even with myself and even in a spiritual and a healing path because learning that I can have healthy boundaries is obviously one of the, um, like the deepest core works that I've had to, to relearn based on my past. So it's like taking that lesson a level deeper and going, ah, I can have boundaries with my healing. I can have boundaries with myself. I can take a microdose instead of two full cups of ayahuasca. Like I, I don't have to live in a situation of intensity every single moment to feel like I'm on my path. That's the new edge for me. You know, um, do you want, can we do part three tomorrow? Uh, yeah, yeah, we can. All right, we got a lot, I mean, it's just, you've just completely, you know, um, you know, I'm just completely open right now and, and I feel great, but, um, I'm also like a little bit spun. You spin, you spin people around, you know, and it's a good, mm. it's really beautiful. Uh, and, uh, I, I think that, you know, it's scary when you are, literally on carving your own path um but like you said you've been it's it's interesting you're slowing down now to i i believe enjoy the forbidden fruit along the way and um <laughs> and you know it's really beautiful i do you have you talked to your parents lately we we talk a lot, um, but not necessarily about anything that we've talked. Of about. Of course, no, no. I want to. I, I just. I want. No, I know. First of all, I am so humbled that um, you're. There's a lot of people that come on my show, and a lot of them are freaking incredible. But there are people that are also like, you know, I, I just get the feeling that you're. You, there's no. There's no sh charade with you. It's. It's. You. You are. Like you said, you're reveling in it, in it all. You had a very poetic thing at the beginning of our first interview yesterday where you said, you know, it's mm -hmm. just I'm living with 
the height and the I'm living with the grace and the best of it and the worst of it and I'm trying mm-hmm. to accept all of it. I just want I feel inside I want to tell you to um you don't have to talk about these issues with your parents, but if, if anybody in your family that you are that um that maybe there's been a falling out or there's been um you know just sort of a drop off in communication if you feel like it's worth it um it seems to me like this is an important time to uh resolve uh conflicts for you i i am and i'm not trying to say you have to you know justify your life or anything like that it's just uh you know keep your heart open to just because of the time that we're living in right now it's a precarious time and uh, there are no guarantees. Um, and I, um, so think about that uh, um, moving forward. If there are people that uh, you feel you want to, um, at least, uh, I know I've done it with some people too, just acknowledging them. You know what I'm saying? Like not, not I don't want to say ignoring, but acknowledging people that you maybe once had uh, friendships with, relationships with and just let them know that they've been on your mind or or not you know but that's just I'm, I'm getting that feeling right now hmm. well I can definitely take that in and I'm actually glad you mentioned it here because you know after yesterday I, I was mentioning to you I had a little a little um hiccup of like I, I wonder if I explain myself as clearly as I wish because it's so easy to focus or to talk about the differences or the conflicts, differences of opinion that I have with my family members, like it's so much easier to focus on that. But the truth is like, we love each other dearly and and we show up for each other and we show up to hard conversations. Like these are the only Trump supporters that I'm able to have civil, curious, open conversations with where we're like, what is it that you're seeing that I'm not seeing? How do I expand? Like, like these are the people in my life who help me with my superpower of integration of, of, of polarity and difference. And, and they have been there so many times, especially on the practical level, because like here I am, you know, living my life blazing a trail and, and they have shown up to support me even in the, even if they don't always get the, the, the intergalactic no you are way i mean but i think that they know that i mean listen first of all you claim this was the exact quote from rachel thor's a vulnerability hangover yesterday yeah and you know what you have nothing to i mean that is just sort of the stories that are because you were so eloquent and so articulate and so non-offensive and the bottom line is that i can understand I, I, there's no justification for well, I shouldn't. I mean, people are allowed to support who they want to support, but the the reality is that your parents, even though they'll probably never be able to actually admit it, and I don't know why, because I'm able to just openly talk. But that's just how I was raised. They are so beyond proud of you, and in some ways, um, perplexed at how far into the intergalactic you've gone. You're you have left this planet. We are only visiting this planet. And for you to just sit in it and continually shine 
while everybody else just keeps going in their own habitual way and getting more closed off and getting more reactionary and, and, and resentful and angry, you continue to open your heart and put an experiment and go towards your what you what you love and you are i mean so i can just honestly say like you know it's it's i'm glad that you guys can have conversations like that um and it's really not even important um uh that you can't you know go at, at an intergalactic level with them but i i know in my heart that um you know they 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 can't disown they can't disassociate from you or disown you because you're so dynamic that you make them swell with pride inside and maybe one day uh they'll drop their guard and tell and tell you that themselves and that's that's my wish i think that's what i I, i'm trying to communicate here i so appreciate that and like my mom tells me every single time she like wells up with tears and tells me how much she's proud of me and and she's told me my entire life that she will always be my number one fan no matter what so like that's not absent um from from my relationship with them and i hear what you're getting at like that you heard me say i have a vulnerability hangover there's some details in these shares that i don't have regular conversations absolutely with. well that's the jake Fein- that, so- that's that's the inter- that's the jake feinberg show but i'm i'm so i love not once in these uh i don't know how many minutes we've done in the last two days but I, not once have I asked you, I mean, sometimes my questions aren't even questions. They're just rambling, you know, like stream. <laughs> but the point is you've never, like, hesitated. Uh, you haven't been, you know, um, uh, you know, you've just been straight up, like yeah. right up. And it's just like, it's so righteous. It's, it is the divine masculine in a lot of ways. It's, it's yeah. beautiful. You are just it's such a, I'm just I don't know. I'm bless you, my friend, and we'll. Uh, Thank you. We'll set up a time. Uh, we'll do. We'll do set three. I think we're just getting started together. You know. Okay, I think that's you. Do we have time for one more quick story? Just because it come. Came to are my you mind? for you? I uh, go ahead, please. <laughs> please, uh, yeah. So this when when you said the intergalactic, this this was sort of coming back to our very first conversation. You know, setting the first one up. Um that uh, at one point I, I, I got to study abroad in Europe and I chose not to have a cell phone. I was like, I'm going to go full intuition. I'm just going to listen and follow. I love it. Was, it. That's it was, so cool. That's so cool. It was so cool, experience man. for me to, to practice, to strengthen this muscle. So I come back and maybe a year later, I'm sitting at home watching, uh, watching TV, one of those like uh, – universe shows on the discovery channel or something and there's this scene where the camera is like flying through space and all these stars and planets are shooting by and i you know this is my spiritual being i have this visceral experience where i just start weeping and i feel in my in my deepest gut that i missed that place like that that's my home that's and right. i miss it that's and right. i wish i was there and i went outside and i'm i'm praying again to this voice like I don't want to be here. Why am I here on this planet? Like I, I used to have wings. I could fly as a spirit. Like, why am I here? Why am I doing this? And, and what this voice reminded me of was my time studying abroad and said, remember when you went to Europe 
and you chose not to have a phone why did you do that and I said because I wanted to practice I wanted to see what the magic would happen without reliance on this particular tool and it said the same with choosing to come here and be in a body without wings you wanted to see what it was like to have legs like you're on a vacation you're on a study abroad on the earth and you chose to be here and leave certain things of your spiritual life behind because you wanted this experience and so for me that was this dual such a powerful moment because it, it validated to me the parts of myself that want to go up and out and, and gave them permission to do that it's like that's my home base I want to check back in of sometimes and at the same time it really validated that I, I I chose to be here the way that I am in a body for a reason and so I'm gonna utilize my study abroad I'm gonna use this time while I have it this way to have this experience uh, so both got to be true and 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 they continue to be true for me that yeah I am a spiritual being but I don't need to leave my body or transcend my experience into nirvana while I'm here that would be like me while I'm in Europe just spending all my time on the phone calling people from home it's good I still love those people from home but am I missing out on the experiences of being abroad so to me that's this like dual relationship that I have with being in a body and being on this planet that feels really hard sometimes it's like yeah it's really hard but I'm going to go home eventually, so let me have the story while I'm here. <laughs> I, can see, I can see in your eyes that uh, you are uh, definitely an intergalactic creature. You're not, I mean, you're divine, you're beautiful, but I mean, you're not, you, there are qualities in you that are not of this planet. I, I, you know, yeah. I'm, it's, and it's, and it's beautiful that you can recognize that, and, um, you know, you are we're only visiting this planet i just wanted to read this to you i don't know if i've sent you my my books yet this my three books came out this year and uh, nice. first first three books and one one was um one involved a, a group of of cats called the merry pranksters i don't know if you're hip to them at all they were um they sort of the pranksters fell in between the beatniks and the hippies and they were led by a guy named ken kesey who wrote one flew over the cuckoo's nest and um mm -hmm. And, 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 and he did a lot of work with Mason Williams, who uh, wrote with the Smothers Brothers. And, and this is what, it just, when you were talking about that, uh, I interviewed Mason for the book. And he said, one thing I learned from my friend Ken Kesey, he used to say, almost everybody can be clever. But what you really want to do is try to be magical. And mm. they did uh, uh, this, this beautiful uh, theatrical play with music called of time and rivers flowing and he said i like your river show <clears throat> because not only is it very entertaining musically but it's about history and conservation of natural waterways those elements make it magical and mm. you are magical and so i mean your essence whatever you're doing to generate that essence is beautiful because that is People can be clever. People can be perceptive, um, you know, but to be magical means that you're walking the talk and you're incorporating nature, musicality in your own way, 
And, mm-hmm. um, you know, ultimately the preservation of those things and, uh, and, and history and your history is one that of, of wings, huge wings from way out deep into intergalactic space. <laughs> so, um, anyway, uh, bless you, Rachel, and, uh, we'll do it again. Thank you so much again for having me. Today was a blast as usual. I, I so appreciate your conversations and your questions, and I'm looking forward to to doing more. Yeah, as long as, long as you're having fun. That's all I really care about. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Later on, my friend. All right. Take care. Bye. Bye. Two down, one to go. We'll be back with Yana Salom at 2 p.m. on Power Talk. Mm-hmm.